my content I actually made notes of, physical Holy notes on, on paper. Oh, fuck. I made a physical paper notes. And then you took pictures of the notes. Incorrect. I put them on top of my car and, you, and I was driving away and I saw them fly off of my car at my work. So number one, there will be uh, pages <laughs> that are very interesting left at my work oh my based gosh. on the things I'm going to talk about. Because it was three pages. Um, and whoever can piece that mystery together, uh, more I need you. power to them. like capitalist fueled nightmares John cuz you're in one ba 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 and welcome back to zero credits the show where we talk about things i'm captain henry and i'm there was a monkey in that movie right yeah i'm monkey john and together we're sailing the high seas of the cultural zeitgeist and I repeat our names usually, but I couldn't because of this voice. A uh, capuchin? Capuchin. Capuchin monkey, is that what? Oh, a capuchin. Capuchin? Capuchin? Puchin. Vas deference. Ras deference. Yes, Vas Putin. Uh, yes. Wow. So, John, things are happening today. One, it's cold. <laughs> it's very cold in Austin. I don't know if you know this, but, uh... If your car is exposed to the elements and the weather of that night is, and I quote, freezing rain, there is a high percentage chance that when you walk to your car in the morning, it it's not just the windshield. It will be covered. Every surface will be covered in ice. It's my favorite because it's better than snow and you get to enjoy it. Now, we don't live in an apartment anymore. Uh, and the thing that I hated most about living in an apartment is the thin concrete apartment stairs for freezing rain will just freeze. Oh, yeah. And they don't salt them. You'll just die. Yeah. You'll just die is what happens because apartment people don't care. They don't care. They about... hope you die. Yeah. Well, <laughs> it's that way they can sell your yeah your space to another person who they hope slips and falls on another freeze and then the cycle. It's called uh, the, the circle of life. <laughs> it is. It's called uh, the circle of life. Uh, however, we live in a house now with a garage that I did not park my car in. Well, no, it's your workout space. <laughs> yes, my workout space that has nothing in it save for all these G-damn boxes. Oh, yeah. The boxes. Uh, yeah, all these all these goddamn boxes. But my but, car was covered in ice. Yeah. For, for long-time fans of the podcast, you can uh, recall less than zero episode one. Uh, 
a place for the boxes, at least my segment, where I just lamented that there's there needs to be a place for boxes, and there is no place for boxes. Hardcore agreed. That's called a callback. Now, you'll also remember, uh, more than a year ago... Oh. Two years ago. Wait, almost exactly two years ago. Amazing. We had an episode in which it full-on snowed in Austin. Oh. We did? We did. It fully snowed when I was living with you. In your apartment. It oh. fully snowed all over the cars right when I started my new job. It did? did. It absolutely wow. did. Oh, that was the day I actually got a snow day. Oh, that must have been nice. My yeah. work did not snow day me. I got a snow day, so I just got to like do nothing all day. It was fantastic. But then it turned over into the early months of the year, and we snowed again in Austin, which I did not think that this would be a thing when I moved to Texas. Yeah. Uh, but I got like two, three days off of work. It was great. Oh, wow. My work just closed down. See, we, we only got the one day. Yeah. I was real upset about it until later. Uh, but snow talk... Snow, it's not something I'm familiar with. But ice talk. Ice is here. Hopefully not to stay. And speaking of ice, it's time to crack open a nice iced cold one with the boys. You said I couldn't open things off the podcast, and now on the podcast I failed at opening something. I hope you're happy. It looks open to me. Oh, it's open. This week we are, of course, drinking some of the few, some of the last few Sierra Nevada's uh, torpedo Extra IPAs, may they rest in peace. Now, much like people can enjoy certain serial television shows by following both a character arc and an object art yeah. arc, uh, they can follow, our fams, the object arc of the beers decreasing in quantity and the character arc of our bodies decreasing in quality. Yeah. I, I'm just happy to announce here on the podcast for the first time, there are nine bottles in left in that case, and there are two bottles in the fridge for a weird total of 11 bottles of IPA left. I'm very excited to finish drinking this because I will never drink another Sierra Nevada Torpedo Extra IP for the rest of my life. I could go to a bar in, like, a podunk town, and they could have on tap, like, Bud Light and Sierra Nevada Extra IPA Torpedo Mist. And I would order the Bud Light and then shoot myself. I think about this often in that we, through time, developed an appreciation for Corona. Oh, in yeah. That we, we, when we began drinking, we made fun of how it tasted because to us it was gross. But it's actually pretty decent compared to this. We started with kind of an appreciation for the extra IPA. We talked about its flavors, oh, yeah. its finish. I remember when I could taste fruit in this. Yeah. And I'm, now I can't. I just taste Torpedo Extra IPA. I'm really sick of it. I can it's like now I get why those uh those wine experts they probably they don't drink the same wine. They don't find one wine and keep drinking that. They keep drinking different wines so that they can like pick up different notes and they don't get too used to stuff. Yeah. And I Bet my bottom dollar that they don't drink Sierra Nevada Extra IPA Torpedo Mist Fire. It's uh, it's interesting because I, over the past year... No. How long? Okay, so since February. Since February. Since the last February, I've been drinking an increasing quantity of IPAs. And I think this has something to do with it because I'm drinking a number of these on at least a weekly basis. Yeah. And to me... 
Torpedo Extra IPA almost tastes like water. Like, I don't taste the hops that people complain about. I think that it's turning me into an IPA person. Yeah, actually, I don't taste the hops much anymore, but I still avoid IPAs. They're not my favorite. I, I mean, like, that's fair. I, I, I have continued to like a nice dark beer that's more smooth, less bite to it. And a Corona. I, we went to see Jojo Rabbit. At the uh, South Lamar Alamo Draft House. Is that what you call Joker? Yeah. Joker, Joker, Rabbit. And uh, they they updated their menu. And they didn't have my favorite beer, 512 Pecan Porter, on What? Tap. I know. Are you kidding me? I know. That's a mainstay. I, it wasn't on the menu. I even asked the, uh, the server. It's like, hey, do you happen to have 512 Pecan Porter? And her face was the most pained look I'd seen oh, from a server no. in Alamo Draft She was like... Yeah, no, we don't oh, have geez. it. And then, like, between uh, one of Taika Watini's early self-made films blaring at me at way too loud of a volume, and me, like, in a daze of no pecan porter, she suggested two. Mm-hmm. And I just picked one, and I don't know what it was, but it was okay. We can probably reverse engineer that by going to go see Parasite uh, again. Harry saw it. God, it's the movie, right? It's really good. It's really good. We can never talk about it. We can never talk about it. However, what we can talk about is 512 Pecan Porter. Very A delicious. decent beer. Yeah. Not my favorite. My favorite pecan-based beer, for sure. Oh, yeah. I've only had two in my life, but yeah. I've had a couple. Usually they're not good, but that Pecan Porter is really good. Well, 512 IPA is also kind of classic. I... I think if you're like an Austin institution, it would be very bizarre not to have Pecan Porter or the 512 IPA. Right? Well, they had the 512 IPA and they had another 512 drink. But now we're in a little too much in the weeds, I think, with this 512 talk. We're talking about beer too much. I love beer. Uh, For those of you who do not know, 512 is the area code of Austin. Now you know. (laughs) Yes. And now we can continue on with our lives. A pecan is a kind of lagoon. And it's used to make Is it a legume? I have no idea. Legume? I have no idea. Is it a droop? I thought it was a seed. Sure. It grows a tree. And that tree is delicious. But a bean grows a tree. And that bean is delicious. <laughs> uh, now, we can talk about beer all day. And we have, uh, just on days when we're not recording a podcast. That's frequently all we talk about. I would like to bring up one thing. Just one. Okay. But it might be... Dare I say, the most in this podcast wheelhouse thing in history. Because I don't know if anyone listening to this three days in the future heard, but maybe the biggest streaming, the most anticipated streaming platform in history was released today. Oh, yeah. 5 a.m. The, the uh, I think it's called the U, or the World Tennis Streaming Service officially launched today. Yeah, the WTS... S, World Tennis Streaming WTSS, The Wits. The Wits. Uh, yes, now the World Tennis Streaming Service. Finally, you can cut the cord. Yeah, cut the cord. Why would you need a cord to watch tennis? You don't. I've had a cable box with just ESPN5 for the last six years, and now I can finally throw that motherfucker in the garbage. Yeah. But of course we just, and even though that might have actually launched today, I'm not entirely sure. There was an Onion article. Yes, there about was. It, there and was. I, and I, I thought it was pretty funny. You of a course, you of a course, oh, what a course you have, are talking of Disney Plus. Disney Extra. 
Yes, Disney XXXL <laughs> has been released upon us. And there's a lot of things you can talk about with Disney+. Plus. It's really dominated the news today. It's the biggest thing happening. I, just a personal anecdote. I was sitting at my desk not doing work. And I was on Twitter because I like to uh, peruse that for potential times for our, our dumb Twitter presence to rear its ugly head. Yes. And uh, it was, I want to say, 8 a.m. East Central Time. 8 a.m. Central Time. And uh, there was already 40 articles about the first episode of this The Mandalorian. Yes. And I was just getting more and more enraged because, like, it is 8 a.m. on a weekday. None of your readers has have seen it yet. Uh, yes. Cal- calm yourselves. They need the clicks, baby. They, oh, man. Now, uh, there's a lot we can say about Disney+. Plus. I think that I'm going to try to hit on the biggest items. You know, just kind of do a top-down. Because it's impossible for us to describe everything that's hit the news cycle for Disney+. Plus. We can talk about, of course... Uh, how it is uh, cropping some four or three shows, ruining visual gags for like huge stretches of shows like The Simpsons. Yeah, the early uh, Simpsons seasons. And how there's a, there's a significant backlash against that. We can talk about how they legitimately and silently released a new version of Star Wars A New Hope that George Lucas re-edited to redo the Han and Greedo shootout scene. Wait, wait, Legit- wait, 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 wait. No, 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 no. Wait, we wait. can talk about that, but we're not going to. Uh, we can talk about the fact that can all you- of their original programming except for maybe a couple things, is like hagiographic Disney propaganda that's just talking and lying largely about Walt Disney's legacy. Yeah. Uh, We can talk about all those things. But I think we all know what we're here for. The the reruns of Gargoyle. Werner Herzog. Oh, Werner Herzog. We're all here for Werner Herzog, star, in part, of uh, Jon Favreau's The Mandalorian. Werner Herzog is the director. No, Werner Herzog... Plays in The Mandalorian. The Mandalorian oh. is directed and produced by Jon Favreau of Iron Man and Chef fame. Yeah, but Werner Herzog is like a director. Oh, he is a director. Yeah, no. I was like, man, this would be a very weird show if it was directed by Werner Herzog. Yeah, director of a Grizzly Man, Cave of Forgotten Dreams, A Gear, The Wrath of God, Fitzcarraldo... In addition to producing and acting and a few other things, extremely uh, lauded auteur, filmmaker, director, producer. And if we haven't lost you yet, he also had a guest star appearance on Rick and Morty where he played an alien who talks about human dicks. Yes, that is perhaps his biggest accomplishment. Werner Herzog, is uh, he's passed through a very interesting kind of prism in the public consciousness where he went from uh, auteur filmmaker to kind of public spectacle satire to actor, which don't know how that happens. Well, I, I think he's following the, like the classic artist route of, I mean, he did, he set, he set out to accomplish uh, some goals, make some beautiful works. He did. And now he's here to kind of like, you know, dick around, have some fun before, you know, that the, the cold icy hands of a, Sierra Nevada Extra Torpedo IPA drags him into the suds. Now, Will Thorne in Variety interviewed Werner Herzog about The Mandalorian. And I think that this interview is particularly prescient. And if if you have good ears and good eyes, you'll catch on to something as I read through this interview. All right. Uh, A lot of this is going to be me just reading the words of Werner Herzog. 
uh, which he deserves it. He's a very well-spoken man. Uh, but the interview begins, skipping the preamble, with Will Thorne asking, John Favreau approached you directly for The Mandalorian. Why do you think he had you in mind, and why did you say yes? To which Werner replied, I think there are two reasons. One, he has seen some of my performances as an actor and is completely convinced that I should be part of his new series. Second, I think it's a bit of an homage to my films and my storytelling, to my way of putting emphasis on world stories, fever dreams in the jungle, quasi-science fiction stories. I think he sees a kindred spirit in me. What was your experience shooting the series with Favreau? Thorne asks. Herzog responds, I do not know how the Star Wars films were shot, but I assume much of it was motion-controlled cameras and green screens. I can say that filmmaking, and that John's great achievement with The Mandalorian, is brought back to where it always has been. As an actor, you see where you are, the planet on which you're moving, and the camera could even be on the shoulder of a cinematographer and move around, and that's how filmmaking has been and should be. Thorne then asks, Favreau has made some highly successful films recently. Did you feel an element of pressure working with him? To which he responds, I do not know what other films he has made. <laughs> Thorne asks, you don't? Herzog responds, no. <laughs> that's pretty, that's pretty great. Thorne responds, he made The Lion King earlier this year with Beyonce and Donald Glover. Well, I like The Lion King, but the animated version 30 years back or so, that was a wonderful film. The music was great. Hans Zimmer. <laughs> Thorne, Thorne then asks, <laughs> You've said before that you haven't seen any Star Wars films. Do you feel that affected your performance in any way? Response Herzog, no, it doesn't really matter. It was a very lively exchange, man to man, so to speak, between John Favreau and myself. I was not tossed into unknown territory. I was very well briefed. I knew what was expected of me. I knew the entire, the interior landscape of the character. I knew the exterior landscape. You shouldn't feel upset that I haven't seen the Star Wars films. I hardly see any fil films. I read. I see two, three, maybe four films per year. Oh man, that used to be my thing. <laughs> so, Thorne asks, do you watch any television? I do. I watch the news from different sources. Sometimes uh. I see things that are completely against my cultural nature. I was raised with Latin and ancient Greek and poetry from Greek antiquity, but sometimes, just to see the world I live in, I watch WrestleMania. Nice. Wait, that's pretty great. Uh, an unexpected choice, quips Thorn. Herzog, you have to know what a great amount of the population is watching. Do not underestimate the Kardashians. As vulgar as they may be, it doesn't matter that much, but you have to find some sort of orientation. As I always say, the poet must not close his eyes, must not avert them. That's actually very, very inspiring. Thorn asks, will you watch The Mandalorian when it blasts off? Which this is a fine... This is a fine exchange, yeah. but I will say for the part of William Thorne, don't be too cute in an interview. Yeah, blast off. Uh, Herzog says, well, I can only watch on Disney Plus. I'd have to sign up for it. So far, I've only signed up for one streaming platform, and that is Criterion. They have hundreds of films, and every one of them is great. <laughs> What's the next project you're working on? Wait, this, uh, okay. I have a documentary on meteorites and the cultural implications they have, which I'm currently shooting. It's in the vein of the volcano film I made, Into the Infernal, which is currently streaming on Netflix. In that case, you have extra incentive to pay for some more streaming platforms, says Thorne. Of Herzog, you're right. I have no choice but to sign up for Disney Plus and Netflix. I shall go do that now. <laughs> <laughs> which is, I think, everyone's feelings today. 
Yeah, there there was like a weird impetus to sign up for this Disney Plus thing, or even sign up for the bundle that comes with Disney Plus Hulu, the ad-supported version, and something called ESPN Live? Something like that. I don't know. So, uh, that interview is amazing in every direction. <laughs> that is that is a fantastic interview. Admits to seeing neither any Star Wars films nor films of the director he's working with. That's pretty Plainly, amazing. Openly, I don't think a lot of people would do that. But if you listen to that interview... Well, he's a... Look, he's been in the industry for comparative eons. Like... He has done great films. I feel like he kind of gets how to be an actor without being familiar with the work. Unless, I mean, like, he's familiar with his lines. Yeah. He just doesn't care about the... He cares about the story being told right now. He doesn't care about how it ties into the minutia of the canon at large. I feel like the thing about Werner Herzog is he's just good and honest and curious, which makes yeah. him a very good director, producer, writer, storyteller, and actor. He's yeah, been good yeah. at all of those things. Yeah. Because he, he keeps an honest mind. I mean, the thing people say of his documentaries, which is why they're consistently good, is all he does is look. He never says anything. He just allows you to observe with him. That's what a documentary should do, you know? It shouldn't have any, like, agenda or message behind it or a slant. It shouldn't be biased. It should just look. I'm looking at you, the staircase. Yeah, Absolutely. And of Grizzly Man, probably his most well-known documentary. Is that the one where the guy got killed by the Grizzlies? Yes. Oh, that's sad. Whereas, he started making it just because he thought it was interesting that this guy, like, stayed with Grizzly Bears and was eventually killed. In making it, in looking, the film eventually became about this person's, like, journey for, like, self and external acceptance and his underlying mental illness and... So much more interesting stuff about this guy. But he only arrived at that through just looking. Yeah. He never meant to tell a story because the story was already there. It's like he himself said, uh, the poet should not close his eyes or whatever. Yeah, you do not avert your eyes. Now, if you listen to that interview closely, you might have noticed a few things. Uh, one, he is Werner Herzog. Yes, that is the first thing you notice. Now I'm going to read a couple additional interviews. Not... In their entirety, only okay. excerpts. Some excerpts from additional interviews, not not Will Thorne. Not Will Thorne. Additional interviews, and I want you to see if you can pick up on a theme. Werner Herzog, 2000, Baltimore Sun. Oh, so this is back in time. Yeah, back in time. Uh, 19 years ago from right. Baltimore Sun. Baltimore Sun. Werner Herzog says, Opera singers are never in close-up like on camera. In cinema, you have only one perspective, and that's the lens of the camera. Here they have to act for over 2,000 people in the theater. That's 2,000 different angles and 2,000 focal lengths. It's like watching a basketball game or WrestleMania. Oh, okay. Werner Herzog, right. 2002 in the Austin Chronicle. It's fascinating because something very crude, something very raw is emerging. A very raw, primitive form of new drama is being born. As primitive and crude as it must have been in the earlier Greek times, before Sophocles and before Euripides... When something like this emerged for the public eye, I do believe that what is fascinating about WrestleMania is the stories around it. <laughs> the dramas between the owner of the whole show and his son, who are feuding, and his wife in the wheelchair, who is blind. Oh my gosh. And he is then showing up in the ring with four girls who have huge, fake boobs, and he is fondling them. This is almost sort of an ancient Greek drama. Evil, uninterrupted by commercials. So what does it say? It says that this sort of thing is more important than the fight itself, which of course is all staged and manipulated. And that's very interesting to me, because apparently the emergence of a new drama has been understood by these people who invented WrestleMania. 
Werner Herzog, 2005, Time Out London. You see reality TV? You can play video games in the virtual world? You've got Photoshop and WrestleMania? Our sense of reality is experiencing an onslaught of enormous magnitude. Werner Herzog, 2006, Now Magazine. Reality TV, WrestleMania, the Anna Nicole Smith show, it goes on and on. Film today is like the medieval knight who finds himself at a battlefield confronted by muskets and cannons. Warfare has changed. Werner Herzog, 2007, Fresh Air with Terry Gross. Why do I watch WrestleMania? My answer is the poet must not avert his eyes from what's going on in the world. In order to understand what's going on, you have to face it. Werner Herzog, 2008, The Independent, when asked of his ideal night out. I never really spend nights out. They're a bit of a rarity these days. I like attending good soccer matches, though, and then heading to the pub for a good beer. I used to be a striker for a very poor 5th Division League team. I also really enjoy WrestleMania. Werner Herzog, 2009, The Guardian. I watched the Anna Nicole Smith show, and now it's over, so now I watch WrestleMania. 2010, Werner Herzog at a press junket for his film My Son, My Son, What Have You Done, starring Michael Shannon. I do watch odd things on television once in a while. Not that I'm a fan of WrestleMania. <laughs> Wait a second. <laughs> I think as a filmmaker, as a poet, you have to know what sort of environment you live in. Oh you have my to understand god. WrestleMania has a couple strange and interesting sides. And my main take on it is apparently a new, very crude form of drama is emerging. Of course, everything is staged and we have to question the reality. WrestleMania is only one of those things of stage realities. He's been saying this for a decade. Werner Herzog, 2011 Intelligence Squared event. You must not hear your, your eyes. That is what is coming at us. This is what a collective anonymous body of majority wants to see on television. WrestleMania. Werner Herzog, 2011 International Documentary Association. We are having major shifts in our perception of reality. Even six-year-old children nowadays can say in the movies that was a special effect. And we have artificial realities like WrestleMania or Photoshop or whatever. Werner Herzog, 2014. In his own book, A Guide for the Perplexed. Uh, I include here reality television, breast enhancement, and the carefully choreographed fake drama of WrestleMania. Yeah, I'm picking up another theme. Uh, 2014, Vice. I look with great interest on WrestleMania. 2015, the New York Public Library, speaking event. I think like classical studies professor Herb Golder, who is here with us, who has worked with me, who believes that in WrestleMania, there are crude forms of mythology and drama going on, and they're not in the fights. 2015, The Daily Beast. Of course, Sophocles and Euripides are a very sophisticated, high-culture form of it, but I do believe there's some evidence. Very crude origins, drama, WrestleMania. As you see... Yeah. Uh, there's a slight... A slight... Uh, there's, there's an undercurrent in what he's saying. Uh, dude's a, a musclehead. Dude's I, a wrestle fan. I feel like with this preponderance of, em- of evidence, we have to admit... Werner Herzog marks out hard for WrestleMania and covers for it by stating that it is art. It's almost as though he's being endorsed by it, which I don't think <laughs> is true. But I, I, I can see, you know, there needs to absolutely be people in the stands with their big signs saying Werner Herzog watches yeah. WrestleMania. They need to make a Werner Herzog face. Uh, sign. Yeah. The thing that really struck me about this is that Werner Herzog is me in that he watches wrestling and loves it, but he has two or three things he says about it that will make people think he watches it out of an intellectual curiosity yeah. rather than entertainment. I do the same thing. I say, oh, it's it's improvisation. You love to see the people get up there and make up the things. Yeah. 
Uh, for these, Ver- in- <laughs> these intricate storylines. Yeah, for Werner Herzog, he gets up there and he just like loses his shit watching Shane McMahon jump off the cage. But then he gets up there, he's like, an, an artist must-, must not avert their eyes. Well, he's also talking about this this uh, layers of artificial reality. And uh, twice he brings <laughs> up, interestingly enough, like he brings up video games in WrestleMania as th- these sort of staged storytellings. But he also twice inexplicably, inexplicably brings up fake breasts, fake breasts, and Photoshop. And Photoshop is like, we those are artificial levels of storytelling. Yeah, I think he's got an interest. I think maybe, <laughs> I think maybe Werner's interests are more base than he would let on. Yeah. Which there's nothing wrong with it. Werner, well, let your freak flag fly. The, the thing about art is that it speaks to our base at some level if yeah. it's good. It speaks to it speaks to you know the what I would call the Werner Herzog hierarchy of needs, which is a Photoshop <laughs> fake breasts and WrestleMania at the top. Yeah, no, everything else is blank. <laughs> yeah, self actualization is Photoshop, fake boobs, and WrestleMania. The funny thing about Werner Herzog is he can uh, he he definitely can make it sound like an intellectual <laughs> pursuit. He's like, yeah, I like going to a soccer match and grabbing a, a drink at a pub <laughs> but then like he dives into like Wrestlemania and like he's dissecting it in front of the uh, the interviewer yeah it's like okay you're just you're, you're throwing back a you're throwing back a few beers and watching the watching the wrestling I want to be clear here none of these interviews were about Wrestlemania oh yeah, yeah. he he always entered these uh these impassioned uh what's the ancient Greek word ecomium he entered into these uh, these ecomiums of love, which is a redundant statement. Uh, but he entered into these like ecomiums about wrestling, unprompted. Yeah. So that's cheers to you, Werner. You love wrestling. Please yeah. own it. No, seriously. Well, he, I think he does. Yeah. That that was you read through more than a decade's <laughs> worth of interviews. Yeah. Independent from each other. Where it's just maybe maybe it's like a coping mechanism for getting through interviews. It's like, well, I've got my three facts. <laughs> yeah, I've got these things that I love. It's like when you watch John Mulaney go onto a late night show, and he does. Oh man, he really killed it on that late night show. And then a couple of weeks later, his com- his comedy uh, special comes out, and you realize he just did his stand up as like a, a in an interview segment. Yep. It's like, yeah, okay, it's prepared. We get it. Yeah, he's got... Look, I, I just want Werner Herzog to be in an interview. They're like, Werner, you're one of the most visionary documentary filmmakers, and you've made some of the most incredible uh, films ever seen. A Gear of the Wrath of God, Zack, Franz Caraldo. Did he do that one about the guy who brought a boat over a mountain and a jungle? I don't... Wait... Maybe. Maybe. I don't know. I'm not familiar with all of his work, but he did um, do Strassek with the dancing chicken. Okay. Uh, but yeah, I, I would love an interview where they say, you're a visionary filmmaker, just tell us what your truest, truest feelings. And Werner says, I love WrestleMania. <laughs> I love WrestleMania. Like, he, he openly admits he loves it. He yeah. talks about his favorite characters. He's like, I did not like it when Shinsuke turned heel. <laughs> <laughs> I am a, the man fan. Uh <laughs> Do you know of the man? I really like Oscar. Oscar is my favorite. I think the AEW is a travesty <laughs> upon the sport. 
I wonder if Werner Herzog would would dislike AEW. It's too genuine. It it doesn't give him this weird dark mirror of looking at society like the WWE does. The only thing I know about the AEW, not to get off topic, is that there is a wrestler who is a huge like video game fan who has time and time again come out in costume. Kenny Omega. Kenny Omega. That's what yeah. his name is. Yeah. He comes out like in costume to the to the uh, the soundtrack and like recreates moments from video games as his lead-ins, and I'm just like, that's it. This is it. The perfect blend of jock and nerd wrestling. Yeah, no, absolutely. That is what wrestling is. Kenny Omega. Quick Kenny Omega aside, he's a very good pro- uh, technical wrestler. Uh, also, he became very good friends with Japanese professional wrestler Koto Ibushi. Yeah. And for a little while, they formed this group called the Golden Lovers. And the whole idea was they would never address whether or not they were gay for each other. Nice. They just existed as a tag team that were, like, affectionate and helpful to each other. But they wanted it to seem like a platonic ideal of a relationship. There was a lot going on with the Golden Lovers. There's a whole Bullet Club thing. I like wrestling. I'm like Werner Herzog. Uh, we all, In that way. We all wish we were like Werner Herzog, uh, you know, acclaimed and undisputed genius of our fields and also like wrestling. You know why I wish I was like Werner Herzog? So I could be anywhere fucking near the Mandalorian. <laughs> uh, you have no idea how much I ache to see okay. the first episode. You don't... This only comes out on the podcast once in a blue moon. I really fucking like Star Wars. Uh, for the fans, I, I think feel like I need to give a disclaimer. Usually on Tuesdays, John will take the, uh, the initiative and message me podcast with a question mark <laughs> to confirm whether or not we're recording, which... Is always a resounding yes. Yeah. Uh, but today, I was feeling like, I don't know, champing at the bit. Uh, so I initiated the conversation with podcast. And uh, the response I got was, no. <laughs> the Mandalorian comes first. Something, I'm paraphrasing, yeah. of course. And uh, to which I said, uh, okay. <laughs> but here we are. And here we are. Uh, and this has nothing to do with me having a semi-hard out on the podcast today, so I could maybe have some time tonight to do something, I don't know. Um, why, what is it about this series that it has enthralled you so much? All I know about it is that it features the armor Uh of Boba Fett. Mandalorian armor. Mandalorian armor. Uh Uh-huh. It might... It's probably not Boba Fett. It's not. Okay. That's all I know. Jon Favreau, Werner Herzog. These are the things I know. Why are you so champing at the bit to watch this Mandalorian show? Because it's, uh... It seems to be... Disney did a right. In that they put a lot of people who are truly deeply passionate about star wars kind of in the right direction at the head of this thing john favreau is like really bringing his a-game because he wants it to feel like the older movies that in that he wants it to feel almost like a fantasy western he, okay he wants it to feel like genuine yeah and different and he's approaching it differently like the mandalorian apparently does not start with a title crawl it's supposed to feel different, different. It's supposed to feel like a western, like a gun smoke. Well, like the early... Uh, so, I mean, the, the origins of Star Wars to begin with were heavily inspired by Japanese films, mm-hmm. which were basically 
cowboy films. Yeah, Ronan. That, that's, that's where the whole space western vibe came from, was, you know, cowboys and samurai films kind of put together in a sci-fi setting. Yeah. I mean, if, if we look at, like, uh, what was Star Wars largely influenced by? The Impenetrable Fortress? No, The Hidden Fortress. The Hidden Fortress. Hidden Fortress. Uh, but yes, uh, very heavily inspired by, like, Ronin films, very heavily inspired yeah. by like, Spaghetti Westerns. Uh, but yeah, John Favreau seems to have his head on right as far as yeah. what he wants to do with the show. He's go so so. It sounds like he's going back to the origins of sort of the premise of Star Wars that has largely been abandoned in recent years for original storytelling, which is fine. And from what I understand, uh, the largely a lot of the people who are writing and directing these episodes are people who have written and directed episodes of like. The Clone Wars, like the, oh, the, the, animated, the, the things, animated one, and, and writers of Star Wars, like comic books, like people who have dedicated significant amount of, amounts of their time to Star Wars, but have not had a chance to touch like a live action production. So that's really interesting. And people that I trust as far as Star Wars stuff go, including my man, Ryan Johnson, uh, are saying that it's like genuinely... At least the first episode, tremendously good. All right. Well, that's why you're jazzed up for The Mandalorian. Oh, God, I love Star Wars. <laughs> <laughs> I hope there's not a goddamn Jedi in this whole thing. I don't think there would be. It wouldn't make sense, because it takes place after uh, Jedi. Yeah. Post-Jedi. Post-Jedi. For, for your Jedi fix, you're going to have to play the Jedi Fallen Order game for me, eh? I'm not interested in playing as Spider-Man as a Jedi. I don't know. It's made by the Titanfall people, so maybe it's super good. Yeah, it's Respawn. But it's also made by the whatever the, the fuck Battle Royale game they made. Apex Legends. Eh, I fell off of that pretty quickly after it became clear what they were doing. Uh, just doing another Battle Royale game? Yeah, pretty much. Yeah, okay. Disney Plus, Disney the, the streaming Plus. giant to end all giants. Let's. What else do we have to talk about Disney Plus? The only thing that I know significantly is another Star Wars thing. So I'm. You're tapped out. I mean, well, I can talk about Star Wars somewhere if you want to. They did edit the most contentious. Part I do want to talk. I, okay. Hold on. Mm -hmm. When you say this, okay, I'm backing up. Yeah. A New Hope. Yes. The original, we all know the scene. Yeah. Most iconic film in movie history. It is. It has been boiled down to a line that has been repeated throughout history, at, you know, since it came out. Han shot first. Yes. Are you telling me that Disney uploaded... Now, this is the previous version that George Lucas edited? No, this is a... This is a brand I'm new... George Lucas has re-edited... Re-re-edited. Re-re-edited A New Hope... Again. Again, to change that scene. Again. Again. Okay, so we already know that he did it once, and he had Greedo shoot first... No, in that, the original film, Han shoots first. I know, but yeah. he already he, edited he already edited it first. once to yes. make Greedo shoot first to make Han look like less of a scoundrel or uh -huh. yes. whatever the fuck. Uh-huh. And then, you know, fans clamored and then I think eventually we he went back to the original where Han shot first. I'm not to my knowledge, but perhaps. How do you change the scene again? <laughs> Is the scene now Greedo like Greedo has a line that's just a subtitle that says Please shoot me now. <laughs> Please shoot me. I beg for death. I, I beg for that death. <laughs> Greedo says, only in shooting me will you fulfill your true destiny. 
as as foretold in the multi-million dollar film Solo. Oh my. Please kill yeah. me. I, uh, apparently in Solo, I refuse to see that movie. I saw it. Apparently they, like, explain why Han Solo's name is Solo. Yes, why they Why can't did. he just be fucking, have a name? Oh, uh, no, they gave him, they gave so him. So dumb. They're, they're like, here's how you get your blaster, here's how you get your vest, here's what your name is, idiot. So, look. I uh, hate that kind of storytelling. It's fine. Uh, me and my coworker have a joke about Solo, because there's a moment, I don't, do you care? No. All right. There's a moment where I'm never going to see that movie. When he first meets Chewie, and he he does a gargling noise, and Chewie says, "Oh, you speak Wookie," and my friend and I have this joke. My coworker, we go, "Yeah, I speak a little Wookie." <laughs> that's yeah. Because like it's you know yeah that's sort of the attitude that that scene w- was was dealt with. I hate that. Anyway. Not your joke. I hate the movie. Yeah. Um, I speak a little Wookiee. I speak a little Wookiee. What of it? Uh, you want to fight about it? So I'm Han Solo. My name used to be Han many friends. Zimmer. <laughs> Han Zimmer. <laughs> Very good. I'm a talented musician. Uh, Lion King. Uh, that's, however. That's what happens when you put uh, Star Wars in the hands of someone who will do a decent job. But still ultimately flop at the box office. Let me walk you through the new Han Greedo yeah. encounter. So Han and Greedo have their exchange. Yeah, so Greedo's like, you gotta pay up job of the hood. And he's like and he's like, you know, fuck you know, fuck you. I'm I speak a little Wookiee. Yeah, he's like, I speak a little Wookiee. Come on. But yeah. how it really happens now is it gets to the point right where Han is about to shoot. And this is the point. In the edit, where a blast comes, I guess, off screen and, like, hits near his head, and then he shoots. The new edit, when he is about to shoot, there is an insert shot of Greedo that says a line that is unsubtitled. Whereas Greedo's lines up until this point were obviously subtitled. uh, Where Greedo says what everyone is transcribing as the word McClunky. McClunky. Not subtitled, right? Doesn't... No one knows what he's saying in that moment. And then, I shit you not, they both shoot at the same time. McClunky. (laughs) Yeah. It is a super quick insert shot of him saying, McClunky, and then they both shoot Shoot at the same same time. Which... How many times do you have to bastardize Han shoots first? I don't think you need to re-edit that movie, but I also feel like this is a relatively artful way of putting it to bed. The best way to put it to bed is be like, oh, the original movie I put out, that's the one. Yeah. Uh, the second most artful way is to be like, eh, they're both involved. It's it's the centrism of the Han shot first argument. It is the centrism. It, it, it's the complete... Wait, was that ever really an argument other than from creator to fans? Uh, some people who were raised on the edit, oh, I guess, believe. Mandela effect. Yeah, there was some real Mandela effect happening. I'm like, I've seen the original Star Wars in 35mm. I, yeah. I know that Han shoots first. Yeah, Han first. shoots first. Absolutely. Yeah. That's just how the movie was made. Star Wars has a dark undercurrent <laughs> to it. Yes. It's absolutely there. It's yeah. the, it's the, uh, the underground stories that we never get to hear. Yeah. Star Wars is dirty, and that's why it's good. Uh, anyway... McClunky. <laughs> McClunky. Uh, moments after the uh, the new version of A New Hope came up, by the way. The, you know who uh, coined the term McClunky? Who? Never fucking guess. I'll give you one guess. It is on Twitter. Give me a hint. Uh, 
They've got a movie out in theaters right now. Taco Watiti. Nope. You're never going to guess. They didn't. They wrote the movie in a way. Todd Phillips? Stephen King. Oh, Dr. Sleep. Yep. Stephen King. Stephen King. Stephen King. King of words. Yes. (laughs) He coined the term McClunky. Moments after uh, Disney Plus launched, he just tweeted, McClunky. That's amazing. Yeah. So that means the first thing he did Mm -hmm. was launch Disney Plus, find a new hope, and he was like, gotta see what version (laughs) it is. Yeah. Saw the McClunky thing and was like, huh. McClunky. <laughs> and or then more likely on his phone, McClunky. And, and then tweeted it and it's off to the races. Uh yeah, that's the only other Disney Plus thing I had. It's ridiculous. I can't believe it. I I love it. It's so bad. So bad. Couldn't leave well enough I'm alone. I, I'm betting this is also the version where uh for some reason a CGI Jabba the Hutt is at the the Millennium Falcon. Probably. I hate that version. I hate that CGI. It's so bad. Stick to original Jabba. The one that was a human. (laughs) I I think Jabba has... This is getting into the weeds of Star Wars, but I think Jabba has so much more of a presence if we don't see him until the third movie. You've seen seen human Jabba, right? No. No, Jabba used to be a human guy in like a fur coat. Nice. I'll look it up for you while you vamp. Uh, Forget about it. Well, uh, so... I have nothing else to talk about Disney+. Plus. I have a wholly separate topic to tackle. Please, we have talked about Dis- Disney+, Plus. to be clear, is cancerous and we shouldn't talk about it. But we've talked about it for most of our time. Yeah, buy Disney+. Plus. Yeah, buy- <laughs> B-Y-E Disney+. Plus. <laughs> yeah, B-U-Y Disney+. Plus. Get it. Yeah, get it. Oh, get it out of here. <laughs> yeah, uh, put it in your homes. Yeah, put it in your homes and bring your homes down. Look, look. A poet must not avert his or her eyes from the world, and Disney Plus is the WrestleMania. As Werner Herzog says, I have no choice but to get Netflix and Disney Plus. I shall go home and do so. So, uh, to transition into our next topic, John, I've been playing a lot of The Outer Worlds. I've actually beaten it and restarted it. Really? The Outer Wilds? The Outer Worlds. Oh. The Obsidian-made RPG whose major themes are corporations and capitalism... Lead the problems. Mm. And YouTube, famous corporation YouTube, just made a passed a new terms of service thing that is very much in line with some Outer Worlds corporations. Oh boy. See, it used to be that you could make a YouTube account, you could put up content, you could get famous, make a million dollars at the age of 15. Back in like 2006, you could post porn. Yeah, you know, that was one year after it came out, yeah. Yeah. And and then like some recent changes, I was like, oh, our advertisers are complaining that uh, some of the content doesn't align with their... Uh, their, their stuff, so uh, we're going to demonetize you. Yeah. You, you got to stop cursing in the first minute of videos and stuff like that. And, like, of course, if you're on YouTube, and um, oh, you're, a lot of your revenue comes from YouTube, they bent at the knee and yeah. said, oh, all hell king YouTube. Basically any media company at this point. Because we thought, hey, you know, we thought, I'm not a YouTuber. They must have thought, hey, we do this, that's the end of it. Surely things cannot get any worse. Surely things won't escalate and that will take away more of our freedoms. Here is a headline from TechSpot written by Rob Thubrin. Thubrin? Yes. That says, YouTube can now delete accounts that aren't commercially viable. Oh, no. 
So, and like, of course, like all terms of service addendums, it's very nebulous. It's very vague. What is not commercially viable? Who falls under that purview? It doesn't matter. But isn't it great that in 2019, a corporation can turn to a creator, a content creator, and say, sorry, you're not commercially viable. Delete your entire channel. You know, you uploaded one video six years ago, which was an in-memoriam video that you played at your grandson's funeral. You are not commercially viable. Here's the exact wording uh, going into effect on December 10th of all times. Uh, YouTube may terminate your access or your Google account's access to all or part of the service if YouTube believes in its sole discretion. Great. Gotta love love some sole discretion. Oh, no, I clicked the dumb button. Uh, In its sole discretion, that provision of the service to you is no longer commercially viable. If YouTube, in its sole discretion, deems that its service is not commercially viable to you, an individual, you get deleted. That's uh, incredible. That is nebulous enough that they could make that apply to any situation. That would be the equivalent of this is in a corporation-run government. The government saying, oh, I'm sorry, you're enfeebled or enfeemed in some way. You are now unable to walk to the store to purchase things. Guess we have to kill you. Guess the store is no longer commercially viable to you. Yeah, yeah. Guess we have to ostracize you from society because you are no longer... Commercially viable for our society. Oh, boy. We live in some dark, totally, totalian, totalian? Totalitarian. Totalitarian times, my friend. I feel like the, this is something that we don't talk about much on the podcast, nor do we talk about much in society. I think YouTube is one of the greatest evils of our time, and we must create a meaningful substitute. Yeah, YouTube has this weird corner on the market because it is the largest, like, video uploading and sharing and hosting uh, website on the internet today. To to a degree that is not even close to its nearest competitor. Like, we talk about breaking up monopolies. This is a monopoly that kind of happened on accident. It's not as though Google is going out of their way to buy other platforms that do similar things it's just there aren't any platforms that do similar things i mean it all rose out of the fact like when youtube was founded in 2005 uh it was kind of the easiest one to upload things to but i mean even going back god back in like 2005 you had like that yeah you had justin.tv which eventually became twitch you have google video which stopped existing which rest in peace some of uh, my favorite Let's Plays were on Google Video, oh, like man. 10, 13. Oh, Retsu Play? Oh, uh, Retsu Play was very good. Slow Beef? Yeah. Uh, the originals. My favorite was uh, Maxwell Adams had like a... Uh, he was a guy who would do run-throughs of Zelda games. He did a Majora's Mask one. That oh, had a yeah. lot of like literary comparisons. It was really funny. Let's Plays used to be way better than they are now. They used to be great. Because they used to be made for no money because no one paid them money. And yeah. usually uh, they paid out of pocket because sometimes they even went to their own hosting if like Google Video was down. It's, it's very funny because it happened very quickly. There was an episode of South Park where they made a viral video 
And then they went to like YouTube headquarters and were like, all right, we want our money, please. We made a viral video. Give us our money. Yeah. And the joke in South Park's terms was like, oh, no, you can't make money off of that yet. Yeah. And then like within the next year, I don't know. Logan Paul made a billion dollars yeah, on that, YouTube. That became the fact. There, there's like a ten year old. All he does is open toys on YouTube, and he's like, he's a millionaire. You know what I think there should be? Hmm. There's two ways to fix the YouTube problem, which is dismantle YouTube as an institution, which won't happen, or make change the business model. The monetization of videos no longer exists. That would be insane. I think YouTube would be better if there was no potential to make money as a content creator. You see, like, we, we follow some content creators we have in common, and we, we watch them, like, bend to the whim, wills of the YouTube algorithm, and so they don't make content that we might enjoy because it doesn't get enough clicks or views to support it. So, uh, a shared a shared content creator of ours that we like... Funhouse. Yeah, we love Funhouse. The first minute you can't curse, uh, they did a thing where they would dub over every curse word with the word fart. Yeah. That's a funny editorial choice. Um, the first couple times I saw that in videos, I just stopped watching. Yeah. I'm just not interested. It's not... I mean, they made a good creative choice with it. They tried to be as funny as they could, but at the yeah. same time, it's like, I don't care. Yeah, and like, God bless them, and I do want to support them like I like the people who do it. Yeah. But... W- I don't know, when I see people, like, bending to the will of an algorithm, I don't think, oh, I'm going to continue to watch this. I'm like, I'm going to entertain myself with something that's not YouTube today. Exactly. I I seek out other entertainment. It really bums me out. I don't like watching shit like that. And the crazy thing is, like, for every actual content creator out there, like Funhouse or any other people who do original works, you've got a billion, like, news bloopers channels. Yeah. That all they do is aggregate news bloopers and probably sometimes repeating the same ones. Yeah. And they're probably raking in, I'm not going to say millions, but they probably are making in a good chunk of change off of content that's not even theirs. Yeah, or, like, weird, abusive, like, parents of children or animals Mm. who just, like, abuse them. What was that? Daddy of five or whatever? Something like that. Those fuckheads? Yeah, no. uh, Yeah, let's, let's, let's... Broadcast our abuse of one child to the entire world. Yeah, yeah, that. Oh man, that makes me very mad. But also, like the weird abusive parents who like have their kids and coach their kids through like doing unboxing videos. Shit's uh, disgusting. Break yeah. apart YouTube. I don't think that YouTube has merit anymore. So uh, on that note, YouTube claims that it's quote not changing. A spokesperson said. We're making some changes to our terms of service in order to make them easier to read and to ensure they're up to date. Great. We're not changing the way our products work, how we collect or process data, or any of your settings. Yeah, no, you're not changing any of that. You're just changing the fact that you can actually remove my access to all of that if I'm not commercially viable. Listen, I just want you to know your government's not changing. You can keep your health care and your job and your car. We're just making it easier to understand that if you break the lo- the rules, we will kill you. Yeah. It was very complicated when we used to explain that you'd go through like a like a, a series of appeals to try to prove your innocence. It's much easier to understand yeah. that we'll shoot you in the brainstem. Yeah, saying like we're just making our terms of service easier to understand with the underlying message being we're going to remove you from the platform is basically saying, yeah, we want the death threat that we wrote to be 
completely legible yeah. to the people it applies to. Want to make it totally clear that we'll kill you. We will absolutely take you out back, blindfold you, line up a firing squad of executives who don't understand your content and find it offensive based on their weird, unknowable uh, like preferences. And uh, they get to pull the trigger. And here's a little spoiler for you. None of them have blanks. I'm very interested in the social experiment, which is the internet and, and creative livelihoods therein. Because I think that if you polled me on this when I first got a when I first got an internet equipped computer in like 1998, yeah, if you had polled me on such things, oh god, I get into so much shit between 1998 and like 2004. Uh, if you had polled me on what I thought the internet was going to be or could do, yeah, I never in a million years would have said, give rise to the most evil corporations on the planet. I never yeah. would have said that because I always believed in the goodness of the internet. I always, I always, the internet, at least in its early days, was a very like communal, cool, giving, sometimes very negative, sometimes very awful. Like I've... I've seen worse things on the internet, particularly in the early days of the internet, than I've ever seen anywhere else in my life. Well, it, it start, to me, it started out so wholesome. Like, you would sign up for a GameFAQs account. Yeah. You would log in and talk about your favorite games and, your like, you know, talk about the guides made for those games. Yeah. And, and then was, someone would call you the F word. No, I mean, yeah, that would happen. Yeah, and then you go to LiveLeak. Never went. Really? I was... I was on bad internet. The, the worst I ever went was, I I mean, for a couple of years there, I was an, an avid 4chan user. Mm. Like, I don't know, in very formative Hello, years. police. Yeah, yeah. I am the hacker known yeah. as 4 No, I was one of the lurkers who did jack shit. Great. Uh, but no, like, I never, like, remember when we first got online and our parents were like, you know, don't share any personal information. And we didn't. We didn't yeah. share personal information to other users. Mm -mm. Little did we know, the entire time we were sharing personal information to the companies that ran the websites. Oh, absolutely. And I I don't know who was the fuckhead who had the idea to sell that shit, but it made them billions. It, yeah. Companies, Facebook has made so much goddamn money off of all of the information I've shared with them. And it's kind of like, hey, if I'm going to be the goddamn product here, I want my cut. Yeah, I, I I want I want twenty percent of what the fuck Facebook's made off of me. I I think about that now, and it's very sad, and I try not to dwell on it much. But if I looked at what I did in the six years from nineteen ninety eight to like two thousand four, I went from like joining a lot of online communities, like talking to a lot of like 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 minded people, getting into something that was a huge part of my life and still kind of is. Uh, which is the ongoing effort to emulate and preserve video games, which is, I think, like a yeah. huge artistic endeavor that no one's talking about how important and dire it is. But, like, I would, I would download, play, review, and talk about two other people with, like, 
Japanese Super Nintendo games or Neo Geo games. Like, I, I engaged with art from, like, different countries. That's great. It was very cool. That you would otherwise have no access or limited access to. So for that, I always imagined that the internet would be, since it is, like, a great filter for truth and connectivity, I always imagined the internet would be a good thing. Yeah. And I think that the internet still is a good thing out of its, like, pure utility. But now I think it's a good thing... In the way that, like, electricity is a good thing. Yeah. In that, glad it was invented. It makes things a lot more convenient. But sh- but it's really in the hands of a few big corporations. Uh, except the powers that the corporations on the internet have are much more devious than a power company. Like, I'm glad that I can pay my bills online. But also, I have no ownership of or animus over my own identity and everything has been like bought and sold so many times like i never realized that we'd be in like the worst possible ending where we didn't do anything right like it's very bad yeah and the internet is bad and it has made the world worse i mean i'll I'll, i can end cap this discussion for a little uh personal anecdote so I, of course, sign up for a bunch of different websites, and uh, some of these sites have been breached by hackers. Yeah. One such one is MyFitnessPal. I love MyFitnessPal. I love their the, uh, the, the calorie counter on that. I used it when I was my slimmest, my, my most fit, mm-hmm. and it was a very useful tool. And I, I did nothing wrong. I just signed up for it with uh, an email and a password, and they they're servers there's their security got breached and my data was compromised Mm -hmm. and since then i will get alerts from other websites with weird activity from countries i've never been to my information is just out there and people are accessing accounts that that are very near and dear to my heart i lost my twitch account got it back through customer service my EA account was was threatened. My Ubisoft account, mm-hmm. my Xbox Live account, my Microsoft account, all because my My Fitness Pal information was breached with no with no action from me. Yes, and that's insane because now, like, my information isn't even being protected by the people that I gave it to. No, in, in no way is it, and I mean. Everyone out there, everyone listening to this, or anyone with a presence on the internet, you're on a spreadsheet somewhere. Yeah. Your name, your email address, in worst cases, your social security number, or a high-value password that you use, is in a database somewhere that's being scrubbed by people to make a buck in countries where it it's a perfectly accept not an acceptable thing to do, but it, it's a line of work because they don't have laws against that kind of yeah. thing. Yeah. Uh, it's... I don't know. There's a website. It's called uh, haveibeenpwned.com. I, I pronounce the P in pwned because that's how it's spelled. Yes. Uh, you can insert your, your email address and you can see where your data has been breached. Man, is that depressing. It's very depressing. We have no... <sighs> There's no recourse. There's not like you can report it to the police because the police are going to be like, what do you want us to do? Yeah, it's a, it's an extra legal affair almost. I mean, look at it this way. How long did it take you to get to know people on the internet initially before you would share your first name with them? Oh, yeah. I mean, going back to Neopets, I made a really good friend on Neopets for a while. 
And, uh, like, learning her first name took a while because it's just like, I don't know who you are. I don't yeah. know where you're from. It takes, what, yeah. weeks, months? Yeah. It took it took so long. And now we voluntarily give it to fuckdick.net. I don't know. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I am a card-carrying member of fuckdick.net. Uh, but I, I just remember, like, friends I would meet on, like, EverQuest. Oh, or yeah. RuneScape. Or, yeah. what, or like a MUD that I would play. Because I played MUDs. Don't look at me like a weirdo. I don't know what that is. Uh, it's like multi-user dungeon. It's a text-based MMORPG. I used to do that manually on forums. Oh, forum RP. We RP'd, yeah. Yee, gross. Well, uh, no, it wasn't... It wasn't ERP. It was normal RP where yeah. people made fun of the names of my attacks. Oh, no. Uh, <laughs> but no, I uh, I would definitely do that stuff. I would get to know these people intimately yeah. in the way that like we would share our personalities and our creative selves with each other. But we would never share our names unless we get really close to each other. And now our identities across the board are forfeit. Nothing is secret or sacred. Oh, yeah. Remember uh, a while back, like, Blizzard on Battle.net were like, yeah, your username is now your your first and last names. Like, wait, excuse me, what the fuck? Yeah. <laughs> it's like, I, I gave that shit to you because it, it you made me, but I, I don't like that. You've got an interesting practice that I want to comment on. Oh? Um, you have this very fun thing. I think it's fun. Where say you sh- you have like a I think it's a Hulu account or something like that. Instead of putting your name, you will put like a, a fun phrase. Oh yeah, like remember blogs. I don't think it's ever. I think unless you are absolutely forced to do so on the internet, you should never voluntarily give up any information about yourself. Yeah, uh, which is not to make myself like sound like a conspiracy theorist, but no, I mean it. It, it is. From uh, an internet security sort of uh, protocol or, or standpoint, it is absolutely something you should do. Uh, my memory's not great, so I came up with a username that I use for everything. That can be instantly tied back to me, so I don't, I don't know. Yeah. I mean, yeah. it's all about the it's all about the voluntary oversharing of information. Like, yep. if I'm asked to sign something, I draw a straight line. Oh, you don't even put your, your signature? Yeah, who cares? No one cares. Yeah. I write garbage. Wait, what about signing a receipt? Just write gibberish. Uh, I don't even write my name. I just uh, write random things every time. All right, so you might be a little bit of a conspiracy theorist. I just don't think that there's... I mean, there's there's two things you can do in that case. You can either do something that's rote and identifiable, or you can do something that's fun. Because it doesn't matter. Yeah. Like, in no way does it matter. I don't think that someone's going to dig that receipt out of the trash and, like, track me with it or sign a mortgage. But I just want to write whatever. Hey, IRS, if you want an easy <laughs> audit target, no, I'm yes, just kidding. Get him. Uh, but I don't know. Yeah. I, I do that sometimes. And it's so I, tough to think about because I don't want to be like a doom and gloom conspiracy person. Because I think maybe if I were to separate myself from it because I'm the okay boomer now, if I like step back, by the way, that is... What it's a, dead. What a great turnaround time. It died it before died. that episode even got published. It died instantly. It died like the day after we talked about all that. So don't we look like assholes? Well, I mean, I, th- I feel like that's the case for a lot. Of, like, everyone who wrote about it after yeah. we recorded it. Yeah, you you also were, were too late. But when I step out of myself sometimes, I think, maybe it's good. 
maybe it's good that we live in a place where our generation was willing to sacrifice so much of our own identities that the concept of identity is now meaningless. Yeah. Maybe it's good. I can't see how it would be good, but it's such a, a major, like, structural change in the way that we exist then maybe it's going to be a good thing. Maybe we can exist in, in different, more interesting ways now that we don't have to care about the sanctity of our identity. So you're saying, like, that that's the, the recourse. I thought you were setting up, like, maybe it's good because we'll realize it's so bad and then they'll pass laws to protect it. I don't think that there's any way of coming back from where we are now. Oh, no. Well, not not for us, but for the generations that come after Yeah, that's, that's my thinking, is maybe there's a certain amount of... So adaptation to be done. We're planting the trees of which the shade we will never bask in with our sacrificing of our personal yeah, information. We grew into a tree that died and created shade. A, a tree that is made completely out of our social security numbers. Yes. The millennial generation experiment has failed because we gave everyone everything. We were the giving tree and they oh, took and they took, took until and they we took. withered. The fu- Okay, so we do need to wrap up this discussion, but... uh. The funny thing is, like, the, the things that they the government and all these institutions use to identify us are going to become so readily available by every company that it's not going to matter. Mm-hmm. And I don't see that changing. I don't see, like, people saying, well, give me your, your social security number so I can identify you or whatever. I don't see that changing. But it's like, people in... Saudi Arabia have my social security number. Yeah. So could we please use something else? I can tell you, like, the length of my fingernails right now. I can send you a picture of my of my face. Yeah. And, and like, a, a thing, like, a holding up a, a post-it note with a date on it. Like, I feel like there's going to need to be better ways to identify people very soon. Like, sooner than people are ready to handle. But it's going to be... Give me your social security number and your address so I can verify. And your birthday. And it's yeah. like, I give my birthday to fucking every stupid thing that I sign <laughs> yeah. up for. Like, everyone has my information. I gave my birthday to Andrew Yang. <laughs> I know that shit's for Yeah, Yang, ha- Yang has opened up several credit cards in my name to pay for his freedom dividends. Yeah, I didn't realize the freedom dividend was going to come out of my left pocket and go to my right, Andrew. <laughs> Jeez. <laughs> That's a very funny joke. Uh, but no, I uh, I don't know. If I were to be some kind of laughing man style, extremely sophisticated hacker. Are you talking about from like, uh, what's it called? Don't tell me. Don't tell me. Don't tell me. No, no, no. What's the first words? Don't tell me. Ghost. Uh, ghost in the Shell standalone complex? Yes. That was the one I watched. If uh, the movie's good too. Both uh, of them. What, no, the, the series. No, both of them are good Psycho? too. Yeah, Sido. Uh, I think I don't think any Ghost in the Shell stuff is bad. Standalone Complex is good. Both of the movies okay, are good. Okay, so right now, just very quickly, I want to get out of the way. The best episode of uh, Standalone Complex is the episode with the guys playing poker, talking about the major. Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. No, that, that is the best such episode. A good episode. Oh my! But God. if I were some kind of laughing man style hacker, yeah. Just a complete randomized shuffling of people's social security numbers, any identifiable tax information. That would be the best thing to do. Just completely like upend and ruin the system that we use to identify people with those numbers. Mwah, perfect. There is a moment. Also eliminate student debt, all debt. Also all checking accounts. Eliminate money. Delete all money. There's a moment in uh, the FX series Mr. Robot where Sam Raimi, that's not his name. 
What's his name? Sam, what? Sam Rami? No, it's Rami Malek. Rami Ma- I was thinking of the director of Spider-Man. Rami Malek's Drag character. me to hell, Mr. Robot. <laughs> Rami Malek's character has a plan to delete all of the debt information that banks have, thereby freeing everybody and upending the status quo. And at the end of season two, spoiler alert, he does it. I never watched season three. Oh, no. But I should to find out what the fuck happens next. I mean, at least it ended on a happy ending. I think there's like five seasons, though. TV's gotten out of hand. It really has. I can barely watch The Mandalorian. You can't, because I'm keeping you here. But, like, Watchmen and His Dark Materials. I'm still on season two of Barry somehow. Uh, His Dark Materials, what was that? Yurgoff Bjergensen? What the fuck is the polar bear's name? You just nailed it in one, my friend. (laughs) You're kidding me. No, I have no Uh, idea. I don't remember. You've read it. I have read it. I loved it. I don't remember the name of the goddamn polar bear. Bergeson. He's not in the second book. He's got a first and a second name. (laughs) Ah, don't they have elephants with wheels? Motorcycle elephants? No, no. They're antelopes. Motorcycle antelopes. Yeah, uh, so Philip Pullman. Is that his name? Oh, Philip K. Dick, writer of Through a Scanner Darkly. Yeah, so he... Uh, oh, I don't want to get into it. <laughs> okay, we don't need to get into it. There is a question of, is there a possi- possibility that wheels would be naturally evolved into by animals? Mm-hmm. And the answer is, if there were paved roads, if that was a naturally occurring feature, they would... The wheel, the wheel would naturally evolve, and so there's a planet filled with paved roads, and the dominant species on that planet is an antelope. That they um, they've got hooks for feet, and they hook into like these these curved rocks in the shape of a wheel, and they vroom about. Where did they get the rocks from? Did they shape the rocks? It's explained. Oh, I don't remember, but it's it's explained that they they hook into these. These wheel-like things, and they, they zoom about the paved planet. It's in book two and some of book three. It's a trilogy, so that's uh, two-thirds. You should, uh, more than Yergoff Bjergensen, uh, you should... He's actually in two books, too. One and three. You should... What was I going to say? People should do that. I was going to do, like, a call to action. There's so much television to watch. So... Here's the thing I heard on the radio. I don't know how true it is. Some stupid institution came out with the, like the top 100 uh, TV shows of the decade, even uh-huh. though like there's one more year in the decade. Number one was Breaking Bad. So you should watch Breaking Bad. Yes, you should absolutely watch Breaking Bad. Uh, God, I, oh, yeah, you should watch Return to Oz if you want to see some things roll around. What the fuck is that? Roller Gang, the sequel to The Wizard of Oz. How about you just watch it and get back to me? What Tell me when the nightmares stop. When's that from? Return to Oz. When is it from? Like the 80s. Fuck that. Wait, is this a... This is a movie? This is a movie. A sequel to The Wizard of Oz. That sounds like bullshit. Gave me nightmares for years. Oh, you know what gave me nightmares for years? The Ring. Oh, the Japanese or the American? American. Gaijin trash. <laughs> okay, shut up. We have a- 2016? 13. Okay. 13? Earlier than that. 2003. There you go. Because I, I was 13. Yeah. You were 2013. Okay. I'm very old. 
Yes. On that note, and to John's request, we're going to end this episode now. Yes. Even though we are probably at the normal length of time. Yeah, we are at a normal podcast length which was last week because we had like a weird double feature, even though we talked about absolutely nothing. What's weird is, so we only drank two beers tonight, but I feel like I drank them in the same length of time that I drank three beers and I feel all the more better for it. So maybe you you have something right about this two beer thing. Two beer, shorter podcast, ain't nothing wrong with that unless it's we're talking same, about it's, Joker. It's like the same length. God damn it's it. It's like the same length. Fuck. Shit. Well, I'm since I'm man. editing this week. No, you're not. Since you're editing this week because I've actually got a show on Wednesday and yeah. Thursday. Yeah. Oops. I would have well, been completely unable to edit. Well, yeah. And I'll, this is just a natural back and forth. Yeah. So it's my week. Yeah. That means you got to do the social media Which plugs. Which means I have to do the social media plugs. So if you... Told you, boy. ...want to send us an explanation about those god damn wheeled antelopes... I think they were antelopes. If you want to send us an explanation of those goddamn wheeled antelopes, you can do so in short form at ZCPCWHJ. On Twitter.com, which stands for Henry. Zoological Curiosities Peak Cousins with Huge Jaws. <laughs> That's right, your cousins have huge jaws. And if you're Philip Pullman and you want to send us the fourth His Dark Materials book, or if you want to send us a pornographic uh, knockoff of His Dark Materials called His Large Dicterials, you can do so by sending an email to zero credits is a podcast at gmail.com. Send us an email, send us an email, send us an email, send us an email. Uh, if you are a fan of music and you like Spotify, we are on it. Search for zero credit open parentheses S on Spotify podcast section, which exists i was made aware that we have a new listener this week oh that's great actually started listening to it because it's on spotify that's amazing uh welcome new listener welcome new name good luck on your table now moving forward (laughs) thank you table thank you table uh moving forward we will not mention facebook because fuck facebook uh we just lamented about the state of the internet however my favorite uh femdom pornography is just video of alexandria ocasio cortez dressing down mark zuckerberg is that f-e-m or f-i-n wait for femdom it's i just think it's f but there are two different genres yeah there are two different genres oh no he is absolutely being femdommed I can't hear the difference. No, he's being, well... F-E-M or F-I-N? F-E-M. Okay. Can a rich person be fin-dommed? Yes, Almost exclusively. Give, yeah, no, they'll give you money. Yeah, they'll <laughs> Almost give you money. exclusively. Give I guess the opposite of that is just blackmail. Uh, <laughs> but no, uh, maybe it's both. But he's definitely being fem-dommed. It is C-F-N-M. And... <laughs> Let's just move on let's, quickly. <laughs> let's move on. Uh, what else is there? Oh, I see. We are also on Apple Podcasts. Please like, comment, and subscribe on Apple Podcasts. It's YouTube the best, talk. It's the best way people can learn about our endangered child <laughs> box opening channel. <laughs> Welcome to my channel, Spider-Man Joker. <laughs> And 
Word of the mouth is the only way we can survive. So if you tell your friends and they tell their friends and they keep it strictly offline, do not make any mention of the Zero Credits podcast on the <laughs> internet because we do not want to lose our identity like Henry lost his identity to the goblins at my fitness pal. You'd have a clutch of new listeners for Zero Credits. They'd know how much you love it and they'd know how much we love you, you'd prove yourself much like the lead in Werner Herzog's Grizzly Man proved himself by being killed by a bear. Spoilers. That's a sad take. It's a sad take. I've heard of, like, bad takes. That one's a sad take. Ah. And uh, this one goes out just a table. We want to wish you, from everyone here at the Zero Credits large apartment filled with spider studios we want to wish you table a very sincerely happy progress on your table i also think table might be listening from the beginning so table might have a while to go but table you probably like spiders so this is a shout out to you yeah that's it that's it, really. Yeah, that's the episode. Yeah, okay, I think we should probably like debrief, like talk about. How do you feel like it went? I think I feel like the episode was fine. Um, yeah, yeah. I I feel like Disney might have something to say. They might be in context yeah, since Disney, they technically yeah. own this podcast. Yeah, but ever since Disney took over, it's been really bad. Anyway, you want to shoot each other? Yeah, McClunky, McClunky. <laughs> bigger luke they did not address bigger luke uh i am looking forward to the disney original bigger luke answers questions <laughs>